he has figured out a way to be invisible. You know exactly what I'm talking about. He's not dead. I just can't see him. Okay. Now, I agree with you. Adrian was brilliant, but it wasn't because of anything he invented. It was how he got in people's heads. You think about it. He came up with the perfect way to torture you, even in death. Only thing more brilliant than inventing something that makes you invisible is not inventing it, but making you think he did. He's not dead, Tom. Welcome to night 10 of the 13 Nights of Halloween. Tonight, we are discussing The Invisible Man from 2020. with me tonight, Hayden. You'll remember him from the Mummy episode. Hello, everybody. And then we have another guest in Rich. Rich, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, guys. How you doing? My name is Rich Rinka. I was actually not a student of Tim's, but uh, Tim coached me in high school on the swim team. So glad to be here. Happy to be here. I just watched the movie today and I'm ready to go. Awesome. So we are talking The Invisible Man Tonight from 2020, not the original 1930-whatever movie. Um, it was our not it was our surprise movie that we didn't release. But 2020 was the first year that we did a 13 Nights of Halloween. At that time, it was just Instagram. We didn't have the podcast going. So we have been doing birth years for this series. So we picked one movie from the birth of 13 Nights of Halloween. That movie, we chose The Invisible Man. So I'll break down the story. After staging his own suicide, a crazed scientist uses his power to become invisible to stalk and terrorize his ex-girlfriend. When the police refuse to believe her story, she decides to take matters into her own hands and fight back. It was released February 24th, 2020, directed by Lee Wanell. And it is based very, very loosely <laughs> on one of my favorite novels. Uh, I love The Invisible Man by H.G. Wells. This is not the same story. So uh, we will get into that, I'm sure, during our discussion a little bit. At least I will. I know that. All right. So. Kicking off our scores, we have Rich is going to tell us what he thought of the story. So before diving too far deep, are we going into uh, spoiler territory or staying away this, from that? This movie has been out long enough. You may spoil it. OK. All right. For story, I gave it a solid four out of five. And part of me was conflicted on this um, from a horror aspect I, I was, you know, I had I had knots in my stomach going through this. Um, it was more so just feeling for the character. And that's kind of something that I want to get to when we're talking about the characters. But story, I never saw the original. 
I never read the book or anything like that. So this was all completely new to me. I think I saw some clips on YouTube back when it first released in 2020. But it's definitely just menacing. And there is a twist at the end, which I did not see coming at all. Um, it's with the reveal of the actual invisible man himself. Oh, and I'm sure we will discuss that. Yes. Yeah. You know, I'm <laughs> <laughs> so from a story perspective, I kind of gave it an extra point just because of that twist at the end. Um because the whole movie, it's just, I was just kind of sitting on my couch. I'm just like, all right, when is she going to get him? When are people going to believe her? Like I was, I found myself aggravated in the beginning, just how it was almost like tragic, everything that's happening to her. And that he kept on making it look like she was killing people when it was actually him. And it was just driving me nuts inside. I'm like, it's not her. Please somebody see what's going on. And I kept on thinking from a level of reality, like if someone told me that they were seeing an invisible man, like I wouldn't believe them. And that's where it's like, it's so daunting. It's, the movie is like a literal nightmare of this guy just tormenting her. So it definitely makes the ending satisfying, which is really nice when she finally reveals who it is. And then the whole ending scene that I wasn't expecting at his house. Um, so yeah, I would, I would give it a solid four out of five. Yeah. Hayden, you want to jump in there with yours? Yeah. No, um, Rich, you said it best. You uh, commented on it being a nightmare. And I fully agree with that. And I gave it a three, but I was very on the fence for wanting to give it a four. Um, I felt that overall the story maybe wasn't the most, uh, it wasn't the most unique. There were, similar story threads in there that we can find in a lot of movies. Um, but it did it so well. It just, it rocked it. Um, again, like you said, I was sitting there tense the whole time, mainly because I was so frustrated with everyone for not believing her, um, (laughs) with anything. And even in the beginning when they're just questioning her, uh, relationship with Adrian to begin with, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, why are you ignoring these signs? No, this is going to be such a long movie. <laughs> and it was, and it was so frustrating, but oh my gosh, the the last like 40 minutes of the movie, it just like ramps it up. At, like yeah. when her and her sister go out for dinner and he appears with the knife. Oh man. Yeah. Loved it. Just came out of nowhere. Yep. So have either of you seen this movie before? No, this is my first time today. Yeah, I've watched maybe the first third of it before, okay. but never all the way through. I just remember the opening sequence being like hauntingly iconic. Yeah, just I, her having to creep silently through the house, making no noise. Like mansion. Yeah, yeah. Like this prisoner in um, such a beautiful, amazing place. How could it be? Yep. And yeah, just her. She's planned everything out so methodically. She's yeah. got it all set up. And oh man, my, my heart rate was just through <laughs> the roof. <laughs> so I gave the score for story. I gave it a four as well. Um, Here's the thing. I love the H.G. Wells book. And the only thing that this movie really takes from the H.G. Wells book is the fact that a visible man exists. That's it. 
there's <laughs> like the names aren't the same. The settings, not the same in the book. The invisible man is kind of, he's just kind of ornery, kind of a trickster. He messes with everybody all the time. He's a chemist and it's just a totally different take on the story of what an invisible man could do. So this kind of takes that idea and it narrows it down to what could. um, So in my notes, I wrote the invisible man. And then at the end of the movie, like I made my heading, the invisible man. Okay. That's the movie. And then at the end of it, I went back up to the title and I wrote or gaslighting the film because I felt like that is what he he and his brother and they're just gaslighting her this entire time. Like you didn't see that. Mm-hmm. You don't believe yeah, this. Yeah. No one, no one will believe you. Listen to me. Yep. And it was such like taking that idea of an invisible man or, and the power that that man can have over somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, I just thought it was a really, right. yeah. really original take on what the invisible man could do he's yeah, always just kind of a trickster yes and this was truly terrifying putting it down to just one character um i didn't give it a five i don't think like it's not gone with the wind but it's really really good and it really like this is how we should revitalize those old titles like yeah. you can still make an invisible man movie that is accurate to hg wells book Mm -hmm. and it would still be amazing but this is how we bring that concept into the modern century with technology and everything as it is this is how we do that and yes they did an amazing job with that this is how you start your dark universe universal monsters yeah not not the mummy are you bringing up the mummy again We won't go into the the, the more recent one, but <laughs> the older mummies they're, they're pretty good. But, oh yeah! Uh, oh. The last episode Hayden was on, we discussed the uh, Brendan Fraser mummy. Yes, yeah, we did. I totally no. respect Brendan Fraser too. I love that guy. <laughs> All right, so Rich, you want to tell us what you thought of character? Character. All right, I gave character five out of five. Um, really focusing on on the main girl. I, I'm already forgetting her name. What was her name? This is horrible of me. Cecilia. Um, Cecilia. Yes, it was on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, honestly, kind of like I said before, this this character just went through it all, man. Like I, I was thinking the whole time, I'm like, how in the world did these two even meet in the first place? Like <laughs> that was just something I was thinking of in the background because, like, no, that's going- a very that's a very true like. <laughs> seeing where they're at in their relationship now i often thought about like were they ever happy yeah like and or was yes. adrian just haunting to begin with maybe he was tricking her from the very beginning you know maybe yeah. using some of his charm because you kind of saw that at the end like he was a charming yet like frightening guy like the little details i think the actor that played adrian from what little screen time we had with him at the end like you can tell that there was like he had malintentions like from the way his facial expressions were and just like the slow way he was talking. So even character there I thought was fantastic. Um, but really going back to Cecilia, uh, 
the person she lived with for a while, him and his daughter, I thought they were fantastic. Um, it was James. Yes, James was names. the name. Yep. I am so bad with the character names right now. Um, I usually am too. I've got IMDB pulled up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, but James, you know, he, he was pretty good. I thought there was one scene at the end when he was just being taken down by the invisible man. And I'm just like, oh, come on, man. Just just hit him or something like hard I, to watch. I was, yes, I know. Yeah. I was, I was rooting for James, but at the end of the day, I'm happy with Cecilia, like going back to it again. She went through it all from being in the abusive relationship to trying to convince people that this person isn't dead. He's haunting her. He's invisible. It's the most obscure story to then having the man just like, I don't know, take the sheet off her bed when she's sleeping. And then the whole seen in the attic i gotta bring up because that's something where i i actually sat up in my couch and especially when she poured the paint on him and you can kind of make him out that was something that that was just a wild scene in general but um yeah her character i don't know about progression uh she probably it's kind of a movie where you're not really looking too much in the character's progression i guess with her friends with James you kind of saw that he did eventually believe in her because that was after he saw and after everything that he had experienced but um I'd still give her a five out of five I thought she was great um yeah yeah Hayden yeah um for character I give it a four out of five um I thought that Cecilia's character was played really well um I mean, it was just a a heart wrenching performance at times where you could just see the pain in her eyes and in her face. Um, And that was there were moments where it was tough just sitting there watching her emote. Um, Again, I don't know really about we don't really see progression. There is an arc here with her getting, I guess, redemption. Um, I thought that a lot of the stuff when she's in the psych ward, it felt like it maybe was either crammed in there last minute or there was maybe more to it to begin with. And it got trimmed down, but I would have liked a little bit more of that. Um, cause I didn't feel like it hugely added to her character. Um, but overall it was, it was great. And all the, the rest of the cast was amazing. Tom, made me hate him that's the the brother who's yes yeah um but he made me hate him so much and i hated how he was being played like almost like it was bad acting um and then with the reveal at the end um i was like oh my gosh it makes so much sense this is such good storytelling um yes and i just i really liked that so yeah, but for overall, I'm going to give it a four out of five. All right. So I I'm going to change my score here. Um, I don't <laughs> like to do that. I really don't. But it clicked as we were talking that I, I originally had a three and I was thinking, you know, she kind of starts the movie escaping her situation and she ends the movie escaping her situation. So. I gave it a three because while what's happening is an important story, great character moments, it wasn't a revolutionary like she ended the movie where she started. And then I was listening to you talking. I was like, no, she didn't. 
she had I, I bumped it up to a four because she started the movie running away from her issue. And the man in her life, she started the movie running away from him and she ended the movie confronting him. And taking out the issue and taking back her life. And it's it's very it's very similar. But I actually was like, you know what? That is a pretty big step from running away from your problems to confronting your problems. And that's something that's hard to do. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to bump that up to a four because that is a pretty significant character arc. It's still like we didn't see a lot of emotional growth. We saw her struggle kind of almost the opposite hit her rock, see her hit rock bottom. And then we don't get to see the happy moments after that. But I mean, we mentioned she has great friends that we see an emotional journey with James and his daughter. That's rough to watch. But since we talked about the brother and we talked about her boyfriend, Adrian, I have to ask spoiler zone. Yeah. Do you believe Adrian had nothing to do with it? I was going to bring that up as well, because the more I thought about like the whole time at the end at dinner, I'm like, she's going to get it out of him. He's going to say it and then it's going to be on a mic. He's going to go to prison. I was not expecting that ending of her putting on the suit and doing what she did like that. That really threw me off a little bit because mm-hmm. I started thinking to myself, I'm like, he had to have done it like she said, but what if he hadn't like, cause going through this all, like everyone was telling her she's crazy, which she wasn't crazy. She was right through it all. But like that psychological event and everything, like, I feel like it's just more that she wanted him completely out of it, out of her life just so that she can get peace of mind. And that's where I'm kind of thinking like, what if there's some possibility it was just the brother? If Adrian actually, wasn't a part of it at all. And that's where it kind of messed with me. I really think he was just because he had the student has in his house. Um, one thing that I was thinking about as well is, uh, when she got into the house, when she broke in middle of the movie, she had to type in that code unless his brother was really tight with him, which it didn't sound like he was, he flat out said that he hated his brother, but you don't know because he was the villain all along. I don't think his brother would have had the code to get into the house. And we obviously see the invisible man, but I mean, there could have been other ways he could have gotten in. So I'm a believer that Adrian was the invisible man throughout a lot of the movie, but yeah, no. What do you guys think? I want to know whose body it was then in the pictures that they have from the beginning when Tom pulls him out to show like, here's like, this is the body. Now, maybe he just killed someone. Maybe he just had these pictures from another case. But I would assume there was an investigation and everything that went with it as well. So who's the body then that they ID'd to be the brother? So that, went that is why process that right there is why I believe both of them were involved. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. why I believe that they alternated uh, who was in the costume and Yeah, because I think the brothers had to be working together to fake the suicide. Because without, yes, the lawyer brother would have had to go through the investigation. But if the two of them are working together, they can definitely stage it against her. Mm -hmm. 
without causing too much of a uh, police hubbub about it. But I, I think they were both involved. I don't believe for a second at the end when he was like, no, it was my brother. I'm like, mm, nope, nope. Don't right. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So shall we jump into music and sound? Oh, yeah. Music and sound. All right. So it's not that there was like any big tunes or anything in the movie. I'm thinking solely soundtrack. I did give it a five out of five. And I've got one scene that came into my mind. Um, It's when the man is in the house. It's right after James thinks that Cecilia hit his daughter when it was really the invisible man. It was Adrian or his brother. And it's when she's in the kitchen and he fully just lifts her up. Like, I, I don't know if you guys remember this scene, but like the oh, that scene is ingrained in my brain. It's <laughs> one of the that scene gets under my skin. Right. I know just the way the bass plays. Like, I almost just wish I could have just seen this in an IMAX theater just with like because sometimes like how your your seats shake when you're watching it. Like I I was on on the edge of my seat. Um Going forward, I really liked how it kind of had not really a techie feel to it, but like once you found out that the suit was techie, I don't know, maybe I was just looking too far into it. If the bass and the music and everything kind of related to the technology and everything, I'm rambling right now, but I gave it a five solely on that scene. Um, throughout the end of the movie as well, uh, I thought the noise, the, the sound effects, everything was just fantastic. I also gave it a five out of five. Um, again, yeah, like you said, not a lot of music really that I think stood out, but when there was, um, when there was, uh, music playing, it really did fit into the scene. Well, I think it helped carry that tension and intensity through a lot of it, but I gave it a five more so because of the lack of sound. You throughout so right much there. of the movie right there that's true yeah <laughs> the way that they play silence in this film creates way more tension for me as the viewer than anything that they did on screen and we'll get into this i know more with uh editing but the way that they shot so many of those scenes and then to have complete silence and showcasing that there is no one around her yet all this space for someone to be there. Oh man, it, it made it hard to watch at times, but gosh, it was good. So for me, it was an easy five out of five just for that. So you nailed it with the silence. Um, I actually gave it a four for this one, mainly because the music was nothing special. It's good. It totally does what it needs to do, but the music alone, probably a three. It's good. The sound design on everything else is a five. So I kind of averaged it out for um, exactly what you said. Like those silent scenes are riveting. Like there was something about this that was scarier than any movie with a jump scare where the music just booms and you're assaulted with noise and imagery and whatever to get you a a, a jump scare. This was just silent and often the camera is still and you're 
skin is crawling. It's like you don't see anything on camera half the time, but you know he's there. And it's just this idea mm-hmm. that they have planted in your brain that he's watching. He could be in that room. Something is about to happen. And instead of like even doing creepy little string arrangements, it's just dead silent. And it is so brilliantly done. And then not just the silence, but just like the camera lenses and glass eyes on the suit, the way they like tick and crawl and the way it starts to sound mechanical when it's damaged. It it almost sounds like it's screaming. Yes. And it's like in pain or like this. I I think almost like symbiote suit play. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's one of those things where instead of there being this potion that they can take, obviously it's the suit, but that the suit like really just corrupts the person and just makes them evil. And that screaming, screeching, like creaking effect of all the lenses. For me, that just that drove the nail home. Yeah, that's something. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's all I had to say. (laughs) That's something going into the movie where back in 2020, I actually did get it spoiled that it was a mechanical suit. And I think I wish going into it today that I would have just had no idea because that would have added so much more like layers of suspense. Like, is he dead? Like, is he a ghost doing this? Is he taking a potion? Is he wearing a suit? But yeah, I did this time watching it back. I did notice that in the opening scene, they set it up. You can see suits hanging in the background as she's in that little lab area. Oh, that's cool. So there's there's a lot of. Yeah, we'll get into that with direction, I'm sure. But yeah, the sound design on this was fantastic the music served its purpose excellently done so editing and special effects this is a big one yeah editing and special effects i gave this a five out of five um a lot of it was my perspective i really was thinking of just kind of the movement of the camera and building up suspense in that fashion tim you mentioned how there weren't a ton of jump scares And that's something where in movies nowadays, like horror movies that have a lot of jump scares, they don't really do it for me as much anymore. It's more the psychological, like, is he there? Is he not there? Um, In the beginning, I felt like they were just doing this over and over again. And I was just watching, like, waiting for something to happen. And so many times nothing happened. It just would pan over to the left, show something in the kitchen or like just any other room and then pan back to Cecilia. And so that really kind of got the butterflies going in my chest. But the effects of the Invisible Man himself, outstanding. Like um, just when when he's attacking her in the house and she's even like hitting him with the pans, just seeing a pan hit nothing, but still like shatter. And just the way that like kind of she was moving as if he was on top of her, even though there was nobody on top of her, like very good job as an actress. I thought that was phenomenal. Um, the suit itself, the ending where, uh, it's in the institution where he gets shot a few times and it's kind of malfunctioning. It added such a layer of intensity because the suit itself was just a black suit. It's just like riveting. It's just 
so thrilling. It looks something like, like if you could fully see the suit and you're in a dark room and it was running towards you, like you would be afraid nonetheless. Like right. the suit itself is kind of terrifying. Mm-hmm. A faceless black human, like yes, it, it was. Yeah, it was a monster. It. it I mean, you said symbiote, Hayden, and I'm literally thinking of Venom, but uh, yeah, no, effects, I think were fantastic for what they were. Um, Solid five out of five for me. I also gave it a five out of five. Uh, Everything you said, Rich, I mean, you got it right, dude. They they just did this good. I like it a lot. Um, One of my favorite things with this was... I just, yeah, I'm like speechless over how much I liked this. But uh, early in the movie, when she first moves into James's house, they take a lot of time to pull the shot back and frame her yes. off in one third of the of the shot and leave all of this empty space open. While she completes a menial task. So Mm -hmm. she's not really drawing attention to it herself, but your eye just goes there and you're like, I, it's the invisible man. There's gotta be something there. And I found myself looking at any chair or cushion to see if there was an imprint or if maybe he was leaning against something, had his hand on top of it. And I couldn't, there was nothing, but I really liked in the, scene in the kitchen when you just real quick see the glint of the knife as it rolls off the counter and disappears and then the stove just gets turned up a little bit more a little bit more a little bit more until it catches on fire uh, that was I just thought that that was really good and then everything with the the suit and the invisible man effects awesome uh I, Rich, I think you mentioned it earlier with the attic scene when she dumps the paint on him. Oh my gosh. Uh, I didn't know it was a suit. I kind of figured it was after seeing a few things, but you know, you didn't get a chance to really see what the suits looked like that were in his um, office. So I'm like, uh, okay, maybe it's got a face or something. I don't know. And it was just weird to see this like honeycomb pattern figure just all of a sudden right there. And it looked good. Um, Yeah, I really just really loved it. Which that dumping paint on him scene is about the only jump scare in the movie. And it is effective because the tension has been built up so well to that point. Agreed. That it, it gets you. Um, well, when he cleans up so easily in the kitchen too, that was actually just, a complaint I had. <laughs> <you're>, well, <laughs> I do. I did not think that it's really possible that you could clean it up that easily. That fast. Right. there'd be something footprints of paint or it, it took all of ten seconds to rinse off in the sink. <laughs> yeah, um, but just how again the intensity and in those that scene just skyrockets again because it's like oh my gosh I lost him again where is he. Mm-hmm. And then the beat down starts and it's just like, oh, no, is this is this it for her? And then he's taken everybody else out. Like, what is going to happen? And it was also like Tim kind of toying with her in it. Oh, 
Yeah. Yeah. So I don't really have much more to add as far as effects go. I give it a five. It's truly impressive. Um, also, if you go back to the 30s and 40s Invisible Man, those special effects surprisingly still hold up really well today. And it's just oh, impressive really? that these Invisible Man stories have incredible special effects throughout time. Um, but yeah, I, I really I'm trying to think of what I can add. I, I don't think I can add anything other than like the editing and the way you mentioned the camera pulls back and you're looking for stuff in the background. It reminded me of paranormal activity back when I used to glue my eyes to the paranormal yes. activity movies. And you'd be like waiting for that figure, that shadow in the background, that footstep or something. to move. Yes. <laughs> when you're waiting for that little movement to show you that the ghost is there, that really reminded me of it. And he does it really from the opening scenes of mm -hmm. this to like make you think that there's someone else in that room or is it empty space I, it's great I also love you mentioned the kitchen scene with the knife um, mm -hmm. I love that those things were done practically they really just put a camera in a room yeah with nobody in there yeah <laughs> where somebody's like hiding down behind under the cabinets and they just pull a string and the knife falls off and I'm like so simple, yep. incredibly effective. It well, is. one of my comments or notes that I wrote down was uh, I really loved how the cameraman, at, especially at the beginning when she's she feels really uneasy in James' house, but she doesn't know what it is yet and hasn't really seen much. We don't know much about him. The cameramen are almost like they're sneaking around corners yeah. to get a shot. And slowly coming around to find her in view as if the camera, it's just a GoPro strapped to another person in the house. And so it makes you feel like, oh, am I watching this from the perspective of the Invisible Man right now? Or is this like, are they going to slowly come around the corner and we're going to see something that shows us, you know, the Invisible Man's over there? And I loved that effect and the, the suspense that it added. Yeah. So in my notes, I actually um, this would fall under the editing. Um, I actually love the opening credits too. when the waves are splashing over the rock and revealing the letters. I thought that was beautiful editing, great design to do it that way. Yeah, that was such a minimal detail, too. Now that you're saying that I'm remembering it, I was yeah. like, what? It was such a weird opening sequence because it was just like showing the waves. And I'm like, what am I supposed to be looking at here? And then you see the light turn on in the distance. Yeah, yeah. it's so good. And then um, uh, regarding the kitchen scene, I actually had one complaint, and that is that nobody cooks their eggs and bacon in the same pan at the same time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> at least at least not that level of rawness on the bacon. Those things mm -hmm. cook at either different temperatures or different lengths of time. So she doesn't know how to make breakfast. I don't think the burner was the invisible man. It was the knife. She's <laughs> responsible for catching stuff on fire. Um, so <laughs> on to the next one. Uh, we have the script. Yeah. So, you know, the more I thought about this just now, I, I have it as a five out of five. 
I have some qualms though, and that's where I'm debating switching oh, yes. them four, four out of five. Okay, please tell. So, okay, what was James' daughter name? Daughter's name? Do we know? Uh, Sydney. Yeah, Sydney. That was her name. There's just so many times in this movie where I, I was just thinking about it now. Cecilia, like, like when she went to her sister's place, knocks on the door, and the sister's just like, "I received an email from you, and you said all this stuff." And Cecilia is just standing there taking it. I'm like, dude, I, I didn't send that email. Like, please listen to me. Like, it wasn't me. Like, I mean, it's kind of hard to say that it wasn't me because obviously it was from her personal email. But I think if you're related to someone, if your relationship is good, and obviously I don't know how well the relationship was later in dinner, you can kind of see that they do have a dynamic of trust between each other. But even the scene with Sydney, where Sydney gets punched by the invisible man, Cecilia, again, just kind of, I mean, she's probably shocked by it just happening, but I think there is a good level of space between Sydney and Cecilia, and Sydney just kind of looks at Cecilia and is like, Dad, she punched me. If I were Cecilia, I'd be like, Sydney, I'm all the way over here. It, it wasn't me, but I mean, no one else was in the room, and that's the horror of the Invisible Man. Um, script perspective, sorry, I, I don't know if I went off track. <laughs> no, that's okay. A little bit. <laughs> I was following. Um, yeah, a little bit. I just, there's just certain things I should, to relate it to the script, Cecilia, I just feel like she, there's so many times where I feel like she should have said things differently, but I guess that was the basis of our character. So maybe they did the script intentionally for that purpose. Um, yeah, I, cause my qualms are, they're, they're, minimal i i would give it i would change my score to a four out of five uh what are your guys' thoughts though i, I kind of want to hear what you think this was where i was harshest but i'll let hayden go first <laughs> so i gave it a four out of five here um i thought that the script was good there were definitely times where i felt it was dragging and that for me kind of um that gave it really that biggest point off um there were also times where i just felt like the characters were not responding the way that the that character really would um this scene with sydney specifically getting hit i'm like okay she just came in here and talking about how she wants to do a girl's night and then this happens when there's obviously a ton of space between them. Yes. If she had punched her, Cecilia's arm would be on the opposite side of her body, but instead she's sitting there like hands in her lap or hands propping herself up on her bed. Um, and and then it would have been more like WTF. Yeah, yes, yes, what about? was that for? And, and I get, you know, she's younger, but like that, that did not seem like the dynamic there for that response to be very fitting. Um, in, I kind of go back and forth on this one because I think that the scene I'm about to mention sets in motion, the, the climax and the, the, a big upward jump in how intense the movie is and the pacing of it. But I did not love the timing of her sister's death. Um, I thought that it was the scene itself I thought was good. It just felt like a random jump to make from where we were in the previous scene 
to then wanting to go out to dinner and do this. And then all of a sudden throat slit, she has a knife in her hand and then she just sits there looking at it. It threw and me like, off. Yeah. And you know, I get, you know, she's in shock. She's, she as the character is already in a very, you know, susceptible mental state, but I'm just like, what? It's that scene for me didn't do it it's the way almost, that I think it meant to. Yeah. It's almost like they had that prison scene planned mm-hmm. and then we're like, okay, we need a catalyst. To yes. Get there. Yes. Exactly. The thing was, and I don't know, it could have all been post ideas, but him planting that like email that was sent earlier and kind of setting the stage for it. Yes. But I, I agree. There's something the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, shoot. Like this just got real because he hadn't killed up until that point. Yeah. And then no, all of a sudden it got very real, very fast. Well, and you mentioned the email, you know, when they show you never get to really unless you pause it at the right second and have high def or high res uh, video of it. I don't think I'm you get to see the whole... 1989 Casio. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, unless you, I don't think we get to see the whole email. We just get to see a few lines of it. But in reading it, all I can think is that doesn't sound like Cecilia. Yes. Given everything she's just gone through. She's saying how all of a sudden now she thinks that her abuser should, should be alive and her sister should be dead. Like, even if you do even if she is saying that you would have to think that it's not genuinely her thoughts because she's been abused for so long Mm -hmm. and you just came to realize that. And so for me, that, that part as well, I was like, I really just, I think the, maybe it's just the sister, maybe that character for me overall just didn't do it. And that's why the email thing. And then the scene at the restaurant just, didn't work for me script wise. That is why I gave mine a three on script. Um, You kind of hit it with what you said. There's something off about the sister's character. Um, A little bit. And yeah, I can't quite put my finger on it. I think she acts as an important catalyst to what happens to accelerate the uh, conclusion of the movie. But just the way it's set up is a little little someone might say brilliant with the email and stuff but like you pointed out it doesn't sound like her it's a little clumsy um but i feel like there are so many great moments that this script was structured around that some of the other moments feel really really thin and i think this movie is actually at its best when there is no dialogue uh, like I struggled with the prison scene is fantastic. If she would just shut up, <laughs> I like, and I'm not saying <laughs> like that sentence seems harsh, but she's just laying there like, stop. He's behind you. He's behind you. He's behind you. And I'm like, I think she said it like three or four times. I was yeah. like, Oh my God. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, the dude just saw his partner get through thrown into a wall while you were laying on the floor, 10 feet in front of them. Like mm-hmm. he knows. And there's just, I use that as an example of like the moments that the script is weak. It has Mm -hmm. weaknesses more than I think any other part of this film does. I think the script is where this film struggles the most. I 
you guys kind of hit it a little bit more in depth with some of those other scenes. But yeah, that's I, I gave it a three because I think the script where the story, they took an incredible twist on what H.G. Wells conceived. Great ideas in the story. The script failed in some ways to validate certain aspects of it. The sister storyline, the slapping the daughter storyline. Yeah. Some, some of those moments are a little rough. So that's why I gave it a three. I thought the script is good. It just doesn't live up to some of the other stuff that the film does. One more note that I had made and you had talked about the, uh, the scene with the guards at the end. Um, Mm -hmm. And all I could think of was, Oh, they wanted a daredevil hallway scene too. (laughs) Cause the way that they just were sending the guards in, in waves and it wasn't, all of the guards and you have a bunch of orderlies coming, you know, with syringes ready to sedate somebody and doctors. And it was just, here's two, wait a few minutes. Here's another two, two more. And it's like, well, if you get, and I know that it's for the story, but practically it doesn't make sense. It's like, Oh, we sent two guys in and we can't hear from either of them. Let's all group up and go in together to provide support. And it just, if that part felt like we need to showcase how cool and ruthless this character can be and like just how scary he is physically. And I don't know if we really needed it. Uh, it looks so good though. It does. It does look <laughs> really cool. Like that whole hallway scene I think is one. It, it's a long shot. I think it's a long continuous yeah. take. And I'm like, man, that's what I love. Just like in the daredevil fight scenes. Just give me those long, continuous takes. Anyways. When he makes the guy blow his own kneecap. Yes. Oh, oh. And there's, <laughs> there's one part that just stood out. There's a couple moments maybe in that scene where like the camera falls to the person, the the guy whose head gets smashed into a glass. Yes. And the camera stays with him so that his eyes are always horizontal as he falls to the ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the camera like twists itself back up to get the rest. I'm like, mm, love it. Love it. That was a moment where Lee, I'll get into that on directing. Never mind. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, <laughs> yeah. So acting. <laughs> acting. All right. I, I gave it a five out of five. Um, it was awesome. Like we, we have our qualms a little bit with Sydney and the sister, but when you look at the grand scheme of the the movie, Cecilia's acting, um, Tim, you mentioned all of those scenes with practical effects. All the scenes where they were practical, where you physically couldn't see the Invisible Man and he was attacking people, like their reactions and how they were just swiveling around on the floor and fighting back, like they made it feel real that someone was there, someone was on top of them. Um, the scene with uh, her friend, um, Cindy's dad, I, oh my God, James, yes, yeah, Uh when he's just taking a beating. Yeah, it's like, James. Yes, yeah. Oh, it was just, it was harsh. It, I, it was fantastic acting. Um, dialogue we, we've talked about uh, every so often was rough. Um, but just going back to Cecilia, just her acting throughout the movie, she really sold this movie as an actress. I thought she was phenomenal. You really felt for her. Like, that's something I was really watching. I I just kept on feeling just tragedy, like tragic for her and just the situation she was put in. And I think, I don't know the actress's name. She just really sold that for me. So I thought she did a fantastic job. 
Yeah, I think it's Elizabeth Moss. Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. I think she's most popularly known from the Hulu show. Uh, Handmaid's Tale. Yes, that's yes, it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. My fiance really likes that one. I never got into it. Um, yeah, me either. But and maybe it was due to the acting, like there was in this movie, which I gave it four out of five. Um, <laughs> so I think that we've, throughout all of the other layers, touched on it a lot. Really think the sister and the Sydney's character were two of the weaker elements here with the acting across the board. Um, James, James's character felt like it was played a little too safe. Um, and now that I'm talking about it, I might even be go so go so far as to say I would be willing to consider this a three out of five. But I think I'm probably sticking four. Oh, that's pretty um, I know, but I just think that there were areas where the supporting cast could have done a lot better by doing just a little bit more, and it overall left a bit more of an impact for me than I than maybe it did for others. But um, I also, like I said earlier, didn't love the way that Tom's character was played. I thought he was just kind of a prick, like just very annoying, almost like he was phoning it in just real easy. Oh, I'll just be a, a dick. Um, and yeah, didn't really love it, but I'm going to stick it a four. I don't want to get too controversial. <laughs> I I gave it a four. Again, Hayden, you said a lot of what I was thinking when it came to the reasons it's not a five. Um, I I kind of I really appreciate the casting of Elizabeth Moss. And I say that because I don't necessarily like her. But she is a sympathetic character that her performance was one that you know my heart ached for her i was rooting for her and i was in that struggle with her but i also like this probably sounds terrible but i think she's just the perfect like normal person exactly like like she's not yeah she looks sad she what? just looks she looks sad and almost looks like just a broken person. Yes. Yes. And that's just kind of her go to. And I mean, now she's been typecast as that right. with this movie and Handmaid's Tale. And so it's hard now seeing other work she's been in and not thinking that even more. Yes. And I I appreciate that about her. I thought she did an excellent job of yes. that in this movie. But I think it's Aldous Hodge. Yeah. Who plays James. I actually really liked him. I liked Storm Reed as Sydney. Um, Oliver Jackson Cole, I believe. Cohen. Oliver Jackson Cohen played Adrian. And he is in the... I just have to plug it right now. Because um, this is 13 Nights of Halloween. He is in Haunting of Hill House on Netflix which if you have not seen that show is the greatest TV show of all time. <laughs> um, the best horror, anything in decades. Um, but he plays a drug addict in that show and it is fantastic. And I thought he was really good in this movie too. But again, like Hayden said, that sister, I, 
there is something off about it. And it could have been, maybe it wasn't the script. Maybe it was her performance. Maybe it was her performance, not the script. I don't know, but I'm docking on that. Yeah. When they're out to eat, Cecilia makes the comment about how, you know, you've always had that strong, stoic policeman like look to you. And I'm like, okay, are they trying to like make up for the fact that there is no personality here or like, are you saying that this is intentional and that you really wanted to go this route with the character? It just, yeah, yeah, I didn't get it at all. Yeah. Yep. So we're in agreement there. All right. So moving on now, we are in the final stages direction direction okay i this is a little there's only one appropriate answer for this <laughs> i gave it a three out of five <clears throat> that might oh, be no little, that was not the no. appropriate answer <laughs> that might have been a little bit of a hot take qualms <laughs> uh, with the ending of this movie for me like i, I guess i really wanted justice for it all so at the very end of the movie and I, I can talk about the direction of the, the main direction of the movie in a second, but I want to focus on the end. At the end, when she slits his throat and then just blames it on himself, he killed himself. Like even James's character comes and he's like, "What happened?" And then he realizes like it was her. She killed him. Like you can see James's frustration inside, and that was something where like, like I mean, justice kind of has been served if he was the one underneath the whole time but at the same time i wanted it to be like through a lawful manner where she can see him get put behind bars but then it would kind of mess with the fact that how altruistic of you <laughs> I, I i got that batman mindset yeah it's know. very silver uh, age comic booky of you <laughs> golden age maybe yeah and you know um Beginning of the movie, fantastic. Leading up to the Invisible Man coming in, um, her believing that it's an Invisible Man instead of a ghost right away. That was kind of something wild to me because you see that this man has died and her first fact is, oh, Adrian was able to turn himself invisible. He's alive. I was kind of like, in any other horror movie, I think anybody would just think that this is a ghost haunting you. Um but no, no, I mean, they got to go with the the feeling of Invisible Man. And maybe she knew of the, I, I think she did know of the work he did. And that, that was her reasoning behind saying he turned himself invisible. That is an interesting um, point that you brought up there that most people would immediately assume it's a ghost. Yes. Yeah. Which then in my head, I started thinking about like how that changed the tension in this movie. The fact that he wasn't a ghost and that we also believed he had turned himself invisible. Also, the title, The Invisible Man. Mm -hmm. um, That made it so much more intense than a ghost. For me, at least. I I don't don't know. You said that. And then my brain just went down that rabbit hole of thought. So (laughs) that's what you were saying. (laughs) You know, I think not being a ghost, maybe this is just me, but I think there's a certain level of more physicality. Like he was vicious with her when he was invisible, like fighting her. Um, I never got the sense that he wanted to kill her. It always seemed like he was trying to just sabotage her entirely. And we even saw that at the scene when she's in the shower and she's about to, 
literally kill herself and he stops her and she's like, gotcha. And all of that. Um, I don't know. It's, it's something that's different, uh, in a good way, I think. Um, but going back just like the whole scene with the mental institution and leading up to that, the scene was entirely cool, but it's kind of just odd. Like, uh, Hayden, you mentioned that you wish that it took place longer in the institution and I couldn't agree more. I thought that there, there was a lot of fear in there. Like, especially the fact that she was in a cell, he could have been in there with her and he was for a good amount of the scenes we saw. And it just went too quick, you know, right after that scene, um, it kind of went on. Uh, we evidently found out that it was the brother when she did the reveal and the whole ending, it was bizarre to me after that reveal, you would think that the movie would just kind of come to an end. And so that scene in the house when Adrian is there and she's eating dinner with him and he was almost sinister in nature, but still you have that level of, did he do it? Did he not do it? I mean, we all think he did it and I, I'm strong believer that he did it, but yeah, direction. I, I, I'm like arguing with myself in my head about this. I think I'm going to stick with three out of five a little bit. Yes. Yeah. So Rich, I believe the correct answer we were looking for was five out of five. <laughs> yes, that, that was it. That was it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, no, I, you know, I've, I don't think I've really said much negative about uh, the movie aside from some characters, but I don't think that I do think that, that was purely up to the performance, not the direction of it. I think they just made do with what they had for ultimately small characters that were insignificant in uh, studios eyes, I'm sure. Um, but I mean, we talked about the, the framing of shots to allude that there is another figure there, or there could be there's space for it, making you search out things that aren't there, but you're telling yourself are there. Um, the way that this is shot and just put together, it, it almost incites paranoia. Um, you as the viewer think that you're going crazy. And now while I like the scene with the knife and the stove top, I could have probably just done with the stove top itself and not the knife. I know the knife turns out longer storyline stuff, but I would have liked it that much better only because you still have to consider, okay, is she just a really crappy cook <laughs> or is there somebody there? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that maybe even holding off longer for any physical interaction, the standing on the sheet was a quick way, I think to try to push the invisible man rather than, Maybe he's just standing on a corner of it and she, she can pull, but she can't quite get it. And it looks like it's stuck on something, but you don't know that it's a person right away. So it's a little bit easier to think, okay, maybe she is going crazy. Maybe it is just a ghost. Um, but other than that, the direction of this movie for what we got five out of five, it was great. Yeah. Um, I gave it a five. If you couldn't tell from earlier, uh, I'm, I'm a sucker for long shots. I'm a sucker for panning, tracking, 
following people, whatever. As long as that camera doesn't cut, I am here for it. Um, this this movie does a lot of that. It really, really. I mean, that fight scene in the kitchen that is so so chilling is. Like the camera doesn't cut. It doesn't take away. She's moving, being slid across the floor, being lifted into the air. All of that. And the camera is not cutting away from it. It's not quick, choppy cuts. That's a choice on the director's part that paid off so well. Sure, the special effects, I'm sure, made it difficult. Her acting as if there's nobody there made it so much better. But that all comes together because of the director. And I do think what we saw in the attic with that knife from the kitchen counter, I do think that was supposed to be part of the sister's death. I do think that as you were talking, I'm putting it together in my head, realizing that I think he had planned that all ahead of time because he put that knife in a plastic bag up in the attic along with some other memorabilia. And I wonder if his plan was to kill the sister all along. And then when she found that knife up there, he had to change how it was going to be done. So I thought that was a nice little subversion, but man, I think Lee and his direction of this, he is really known for his work with James Wan who anybody in horror knows the name James Wan because he directed the first Saw movie. He directed The Conjuring 1 and 2. He recently directed Malignant. He directed the first two Insidious movie. James Wan's well-known. But Lee Wanell wrote most of James's early stuff. Lee Wanell wrote Dead Silence. He wrote Saw 1, 2, and 3, I believe. And that was his first. He actually starred in Saw. He wrote the movie Upgrade. And then I think this was his first direction. I'm not 100% sure on that, in all honesty. Um, no, Insidious Chapter 3 and Upgrade, he directed. But he did a fantastic job with this movie. And he kind of took a page out of his buddy's playbook. James does amazing long takes one of my favorites i'm not going to talk about james never mind um but lee is fantastic he does a great job juggling this story building the tension um using that silence using that just empty space on camera to really just kind of freak you out he does an amazing job. Um, yeah, five out of five for me. I want to see more from him. Unfortunately, there's not a whole lot listed for his direction, but he's got some chops. I want to see him do more for sure. So that's all I have to say on that. We can jump in the it factor now if you're ready, Rich. The it factor. This is, you know, I, I almost want to hear your guys's. Uh, responses to this first. I, I'm kind of, Should we go first? Yeah, you know, I think that'd be best. I'm, <laughs> I'm conflicted in my head. <laughs> okay, I, I can go ahead. I gave the effector on this a four. 
um, because I remember it being pretty popular when it came out in 2020. It was a pretty big deal. Um, and I think it actually delivers. It takes one of your classic universal monster names, reinvents it, and it effectively delivers. Whereas the last time we tried that, even with Tom Cruise attached, we couldn't quite make that stick. So this this movie, I gave it a four out of four on it factor. I remember people talking about it. I remember it doing pretty well at the box office. So, yeah, four for me. Four for me as well. Um, again, I thought that I, I think didn't think at the time because or thought at the time um, because I hadn't seen this before. But this would have been a great way to kick off another universe, not like the Tom Cruise attempt. Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, this movie, again, I think it too also big hit when it came out. A lot of people talking about it. Um, I can remember the movie poster being seen like all over and the trailers of her like in the shower and then the handprint just appears on the glass in the uh, condensation on it. Uh, I, very vivid in my head. So after seeing it, that just ramped those feelings up way higher because this movie's awesome. I want to watch it again. Um, I want to be able to sit down and watch it straight through. I had to take a break and then come back to watching it, um, which I think kind of interrupted the flow and how I was feeling a bit with it. But oh, well, um, but like I want to get my fiance to sit down and watch it with me because yeah, yeah. it just it's spoken to me, I guess you could say. <laughs> Yeah. All right, Rich. What what did you think? You know, what's wild to me, okay, and this might be counterintuitive because it's the invisible man. But when you think of classic horror, like Halloween, for instance, you think of Halloween, you think of Michael Myers. This movie, the invisible man, the fact that he's invisible, you don't have that visual. I mean, you do when you kind of see that his suit is damaged and you can see him. The fact that you don't have that when I think of this movie, I think of Cecilia and the horrors that she went through because of the invisible man. So that's where the the conflict is really within me, but I can't just say that because I can't see the villain because he's literally the invisible man. And that's, that's the whole point of it. Um, so I, I would give it a four out of five just for that basis. Uh, that's kind of a horrible basis to give it off because it is counterintuitive, but going just, you know, I never knew about this villain. So watching it today, uh, I never watched the classic. I never read the book, as I said before. Seeing just how terrifying it can be when someone is invisible. Like, you've seen the kids' shows, like, oh, I can turn invisible. Or Harry Potter wears the invisibility cloak. Like, this, it's kind of like, it, remi- it reminded me of um, Homelander in The Boys. Like, the, the idea of an evil mm-hmm. superhero. Like, like Don't this, get me started on The Boys. <laughs> greatest tv show it in years fan. i still got really enjoying gen v. gen v as well gen v is fantastic if you haven't started that is it all right uh, yes it, it really is it's like young adult x-men but in the boys universe so it's totally rated r but it's, it's fun <laughs> all right yeah so i'll, I'll give the effect a four out of five yep 
I do agree that it's hard that they don't have that iconic imagery that so many other uh, horror movie franchises have. Um, And then I think about the last two times that I can remember seeing the invisible man before this movie came out were league of extraordinary gentlemen, which I love that movie when it came out. It's not my gosh, but I I, loved it. I love that movie. I love the whole idea of that movie. And it's why I like this movie so much in the mummy, but you had the invisible man there. He would powder his face so you could see him. Yeah. That was iconic for that movie. That was a, a good look for it. And then before that, um, the hollow man with Kevin Bacon. Um, it took from the invisible man by HG Wells. Um, and there was a lot of imagery there where as he's becoming invisible fully, he's like wearing a suit of skin. You can just see his skeleton at one point. Um, you see at the end, he gets uh, spoiler for that movie. I think it's been a couple decades for anyone who cares. Um, he gets burned and you see like he, he is flickering from being invisible to being this like burned body. Um, and that was iconic. And this, it's like eh, hexagon suit. I guess. Yeah. And then in the thirties and forties, we had the like mummy wrap with the aviator yes. goggles on and the hat trench coat mm-hmm. whole deal. That was iconic. Yep. So I can, I understand what you're saying. And I do think, I 100% think that was an intentional choice to set this up for this modern generation of like, we're not going to do the trench coat and mummy wrap. We are going to do a camera driven reflective suit. Like, mm-hmm. I, But I agree. But I also think that discounts how creepy it was when we saw that suit. When when those the guard, I think when he just came into her room after she had just stabbed a suit and she's and he's like, get back in bed, get back in bed. And then he turns and there's just this weird black figure in the room. That's freaky, man. I would freak. <laughs> I would freak <laughs> out. So I it's different. But yeah, I. I, I appreciate it because I like I said, The Invisible Man by H.G. Wells. If you haven't read that book, read it. H.G. Wells was a writer ahead of his time. I mean, I'm sure everybody's seen at least one version of War of the Worlds, whether it was Spielberg's with Tom Cruise or the recent, I think, BBC version of it or even the H.G. Wells radio version or the 1950s movie, whatever. Um he was a writer ahead of his time. He wrote really good stuff, whether it was Time Machine, War of the Worlds, Invisible Man, so many more. But like, if you haven't read Invisible Man, it's a fantastic book. There's a reason it's a classic. Give it a shot. Um, so yeah, let's move on to the next one. We're we're dragging this right along. Entertainment level. How entertained were you, Rich? uh again this might be i don't know how you guys are gonna feel about this i gave this a six out of ten um a little low yes i'm surprised yeah only okay i i had good things to say about the movie but it was slow at points um I was just aggravated the whole time because I, for me, when I watch these movies, I, I always root for the hero. And that's one thing with this, like, it just seemed like over and over and over again, like this man was just taking everything from her. 
and no one would believe her. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, finally now this character is going to believe her. Like literally when Sydney got slapped, I'm like, boom, that's proof. Like they're going to believe her now. And then Sydney's like, dad, she hit me. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then you get to the scene at dinner. She's talking to her sister. I'm like, all right, finally the sister's on board. It's going to be great. And then she gets her throat slit. I'm sitting there just like, oh, come on. Like She can't catch a break. And uh, entertainment value, that aspect was just a little aggravating to me. Um, other than that, so with everything that we've said, I, it, see, I'm like conflicted between a six or a seven right now. Um, I really, the ending kind of stuck with me with everything I said before, the whole Batman aspect of her killing him. I wanted more justice. I wanted the villain to go down in a better fashion. So yeah, I'm right there. Six to seven. I, I would keep, I'm going to stand by my six. I'll go with that. Yep. I gave this an eight out of 10 for the entertainment value. Um, for me, you know, overall, I think this was a really awesome movie. Um, did a lot of things right. There were some spots where it was slow and it felt like it dragged a little bit. Um, and I believe that that was intentionally done that way. And it may have just come off differently to me or other viewers um, watching it than intended by the, uh, by the director and editors and all that. Um, yeah. Overall, just solid movie there was you know we had the one jump scare um i guess you could say there were like some others with the the hallway fight scene and his flickering suit so i think we you know we hit hit the notch on those um very suspenseful it was a feeling um, of dread almost yeah just emotionally like heavy without being you know morbid gruesome uh or having to like stoop to any lows of, I don't know, just it did a really good job of letting the characters drive the story and it made it really enjoyable to watch. Yes. I gave it an eight out of 10 as well. I totally agree with both what Rich and Hayden said. This movie. So on rewatch for me, I definitely thought the beginning dragged a little some of that character development with James and his daughter, I was, I was kind of bored if I'm honest. Um, but then once start things happening there, it's really unrelenting. And then right before the sisters murdered, we have this like little dip in that part of the movie when it slows down and whether that was intentional to like, let us catch our breath before the end. I don't know, but I definitely thought it kind of hurt that section a little bit. But then the sister dies and we floor it to the finish. Um, I love I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I don't know why I haven't watched it more often, but yeah, I I had a great time with this movie. I gave it eight out of ten. I thought it was solid. So then our final scores. I'm pretty sure I'm right around that 41, 42 range with everything that I've changed. Yeah, 42. I'll stick with 42 out of 50. Okay. What, it, it, so what, 42 out of 50 makes it amazing. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> is that okay. not a reflection of how you felt? May, uh, no, no, I'll, I'll take it back. I would give probably maybe like right around 
35. You got to add up all of what your numbers were, Rich. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. I'm pretty sure I'm at 42 with that. So yeah. That's <laughs> that, that means that technically it's an amazing movie. You just didn't enjoy it that much. Yeah, it's weird because, you know, watching it, I kind of like felt that sense of gloom and doom with it all. But after talking about it with you guys and like really diving into the aspects, the different details, the direction, even the character arcs, it kind of like, like I, I'm definitely going to rewatch it again within the next week just to like kind of get a second viewing. Like when I watched yes, it, I'd love to hear that. Right. Yeah. I, I watched it over two nights, so I didn't watch it all at once. So maybe that impacted my experience a little bit. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm definitely going to give it a rewatch. I'll, I'll stick with my 41, 42. Uh, I guess I have to. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> I'm right at the 42 uh, myself. I do think that this is an amazing movie. I am bummed that it took me this long to come around to it and finish it. Um, I think you uh, you know what I think. You listen to the whole podcast if you're at this point. So um, I don't need to go into detail with that. But yeah, amazing movie. Check this thing out for sure. Yeah. So strangely enough, I am also right at a 41. Um, are we all three? I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. I don't think that has ever happened. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've tried to, you know, we talked a lot about the movie and I wonder if it was intentional, accidental or what, but it also just seems like a giant allegory, metaphor, whatever you want to call it, and whatever the right term for it is, for what it's like to be in an abusive relationship. Yes. And at its core, I think it does an amazing job of creating that sense of loneliness, that sense of isolation, mm-hmm. that you can't trust anyone, you're afraid to hurt anyone all of that i think it does an amazing amazing job of telling that story without like hitting us over the head with it about like hey this is about relationships it's like it does an amazing job of telling you a great story if you just want to watch a movie about an invisible man tormenting someone you're gonna have a great time if you want to watch something that's deeper this movie delivers that I think it's a perfect example of when when life has you down, you've got no one to turn to. That's when you take action into your own hands and not to get so motivating there. But um, I it's a perfect example of that. So like literally this character was isolated to the core and you kind of see like in the beginning parts of the movie, like she's fearful of it. She's fearful. And then it's almost like a snap, like, OK, like, I want to fight back. I want to. And you saw that in the house after Sydney got slapped when she finally did start fighting back. So, yeah. Yeah. OK, gentlemen, that wraps us up. Right. We are all 41. That makes averaging this out super easy. Uh, it's 41. Um, it's an amazing film. It's probably an amazing film for social settings especially Halloween time. It's not super gory. It's not super scary, but it is 
filled with tension and dread. So it would it would be a pretty great movie to get some people to sit down and watch. I would I would put my money behind that one. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. I'd put and, this one up on the projector. Yeah. Any final thoughts? I don't think so. Thank you so much for having me tonight. This yeah, is, this is a lot of fun. I, yeah. I'm so glad you could join us, honestly. And Hayden, thanks for coming again. Yeah, of course. I look forward to being on here some more. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, go back and listen to our review of The Mummy. Yes, we have at this point. So this is night 10. There are nine other episodes. No, yeah nine other episodes before you i'm not good at math that's not my strong suit um and then there are three more coming after this so we are counting down to halloween hopefully you've been having a great time on 13 nights of halloween i've had a great time putting it together and recording it three more movies we'll see you then peace